Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today. I greet you again in the name of Jesus Christ. It's been a wonderful week and a wonderful month. This is Wow, What a Show. And once again, we are here to exalt the name of the one who is the show. He is the star of the show. He is the author of the show. Most of all, the author, the producer, the director. For all those who would walk with him, he will in paths. God is good. And we have been so blessed in the Psalms this morning. I mean, with this month, it has gone on and on. So this morning we are in chapter 23 and our series is titled Apples of Gold, Apples of Gold. And um, these apples of gold are wisdom from the the mouth of God. And remember the beginning of uh, understanding, the beginning of these matters is the fear of the Lord, as it is written in Proverbs chapter one. So here we go. I shall read chapter 22 and then give, well, I'm going to give commentary as I go. And that way we can um, understand what we're reading. Alrighty. So Proverbs chapter 22, verse one, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. We have indeed heard this before in uh, with regards to the choice of wisdom. And now we go to a good name. For sure, a good name carries with it a re- reputability. It means that, that there is something in the name of, of the person that also identifies their character. So though riches are greatly esteemed in the world, and sometimes wisely managed, they serve many valuable purposes, but they do not contribute as much to genuine peace and happiness as do the esteem and love of others who understand you and really want to, um, who understand your character and they recognize the benefit of knowing people of good character. So a good name here is indeed in that context. Good morning, Sister Reams. How are you? Um, we are in Proverbs chapter 22, of course, and I'm just on verse one. And we're talking of a good name. A good name is better than fine riches. And my mother used to, well, when I was growing up, not only my mother, probably everyone that I knew repeated this proverb over and over again. And the idea was to encourage our children as they're growing to develop good character and to be known rather for your character, right, than for wealth, even though wealth has its place. Verse two, the rich man and the poor meet together. Jehovah is the maker of them all. I really like this proverb because um, this in- intimates that God has made every man and whether you are in your way blessed to obtain wealth uh, or, or not. And there are many reasons that people are poor. I, I just don't know why we differentiate so much because as verse one says, a good name is better even than riches anyway. So we have many poor people who are of really great character and who in their lack provide more uh, support and love 
for a community in many, many ways than than sometimes the, the wealthy do. So God has made both rich and poor. And Jesus Christ told us when he was here that the poor you would have with you always. Therefore, if, if, if it's declared that it will be so, we understand and know that God made both poor and rich men. He made all men and they coexist in a world that he upholds. And we've learned also that God's, God's heart is towards the poor. Therefore, we want to make sure that we are um, mutually uh, uh, abiding by the laws of respect and kindness and love that God has decreed for us to demonstrate one to another. Um, there is a terrible equality of all men who have one creator, and it's a wonderful thing. We, we, have, all, we have sinful men, all are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We are, we are all mortals. We're going to die. And all cross the threshold of one common grave. All men have the invitation to receive eternal life upon the conditions God has provided. And all men have only one extremely vital choice to make, and that is either to receive or reject an invitation. So the rich and the poor meet, right? But Jehovah has made them all. Verse three says, a prudent man sees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and suffer for it. And these Proverbs have restated that over and over, a reiteration of the idea that when you are foolish and <clears throat> concerned with those things that equal foolishness, the folly of life, you will not perceive when evil is before you. <clears throat> Somehow you will walk right into it. Verse verse uh, five, oh, I'm sorry, verse four. The reward of humility and the fear of Jehovah is riches and honor and life. Hey, it's again a stress on humility and the fear of the Lord. These are the attributes, you know, that, that the Lord God loves and he requires. So, um, the sum of it all are, is in the many of the principles that we have learned in Proverbs. As a matter of fact, it gives a brief summary of the chief obligations of humans on, in, in the life on earth. We must recognize that we are the least of these. <laughs> we are really the least, and God is providing something quite great for each and every one of us. So whether you are blessed to be in one state of life or another, you are indeed still <clears throat> obliged by the reward of God to be humble in your character. Verse five says, oh, good morning, S-V-C-B-M-B-B-Y. God bless you. <laughs> Light touch, good morning. Uh, <clears throat> the thorns, we're in chapter 22 of the book of Proverbs, presently on verse five. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He that keeps his soul shall be far from them. And listen, the keeping of your soul <clears throat> implies that you can lose your soul. Uh, Jesus Christ says in Matthew 16, I think it's verse 26, what does a man profit if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? And, and in that context, he's speaking of following him, you know, being, being sure that you are following after him. I'm not looking at that scripture and you could read it 
if you like, but it is the truth. Many toils and trials and sufferings will be met by sinful men, and one's soul is that immortal part of him that shall at last give an account in the presence of God. We have to make sure that we are walking with, with God in his way, being obedient to his word. And I think Pastor Thomas in the eight o'clock uh, Wednesday night podcast, of Wow, What a Show, re-emphasized this week. I mean, when I say re-emphasize, he always emphasizes it. But Wednesday night, he was in a mournful place and declaring to us that the Lord has a, he has a recompense, right? And we cannot just um, go about, you know, merrily skipping along, doing what we want to do and think that we're going to receive the righteousness that is is a part of salvation. You must pay attention to the Lord. And so if there is a soul to lose, why would you want to lose it? When, when, when gaining the eternity that God has and saving or being saved is a matter of paying attention. That's all we have to do. Pay attention to the Lord. Keep your soul, verse 5 says. Um, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this does identify the proper instruction and discipline of one's children as a duty. I salute everyone here. It's a pleasure to be here again. Good morning, Tony. It is a pleasure also to be with all of you and, and that you have returned. I appreciate that. So it's our duty when we have children to give the time and attention to introducing these children to a way of life that helps them keep their souls. By the way, we have an obligation to raise up our ch children as best we can uh, in the way of the Lord, because there is a lot of godliness in the world. There are so much to draw a child into reprobation. And then the... Um, who the, the watching a child suffer those actions for, uh, uh, you know the, from the choices that they make and the and the uh, things that they will do is more than painful right it's just more than painful and so for fathers who desert children and desert mothers and leave them to do the work alone there is I think a grave penalty to pay God really does see all. Verse 7 says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. That really is rather self-explanatory. There's no way we get out from under the, the, um, <clears throat> the uh, pain of uh, repaying and repaying and repay, repaying when you are in debt. And so the, uh, this, this uh, proverb is an encouragement to stay out of it, to stay out of that, even when you're poor, and 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 do not be a borrower. Uh, we we grew up with a little adage that says, "Neither borrow nor lender be." Try not to borrow and try not to lend, because in both situations you have a an obligation that is beyond your normal your day to day uh, life, and maybe what you can also be responsible to. If you are poor and you have bills, well, you know what that would be like. And if you are a borrower 
and have great debt. It's, it's as if your whole life is working to give your money away. But you're not giving it away, you're giving it back <laughs> to someone you took it from. But you want to be real careful in that. And for all young people, listen, I grew up in the era when uh, credit cards were just dished out uh, to college students. And my daughter got caught in that debt. And of course, we got caught paying it back because she was away at college. And did we know? No, we didn't know. But she ended up having, uh, and when I say a good deal of credit card debt, I, I mean, it might have been, a, not, it wasn't thousands, right? She may have owed a thousand or fifteen hundred or something like that. But she learned a lesson from that and she never went back to it. So may God be praised. We owe no man anything. So says Romans 13, 8. And except to love him, to love him. We owe love, right? But we do not owe their money back to them. Verse eight, he that sows iniquity shall reap calamity and the rod of his wrath shall fail. This is amazing. If you plant seeds of wickedness, injustice, you know, inequality, if you are oppressing people, there is a calamity coming. And a man who sows evil has a harvest of trouble. His labor goes for nothing. Any person who is sinning is sowing iniquity. Uh, in the Septuagint, right? We don't very, very often refer to uh, these Latin Vulgate uh, translations in such a way. But anyway, there's a reading for the second line, and it goes like this. God loves a cheerful and liberal man. And that is also written in the second uh, book of Corinthians, verse 9 and 7. To be liberal in our giving is is uh, <laughs> to, to have the love of God. And remember, he who gives to the poor, gives to the poor, gives to the poor, lends to the Lord. So don't try loaning your money out there to a poor person until you will, you might get disappointed. Now, poor people do struggle and pay it back. But if you give what you can give, right, they won't have to be running around trying to borrow. They won't be entrapped and you won't be entrapped and you won't be disappointed if they cannot bring it back to you. So if you got if you have some money to give a person when they come and say, I want to borrow, uh, then <clears throat> you, you, um, you know, give it. And, and, and go away and forget that you gave it. God won't, but you do, right? Because there's no way that uh, you you might not get it back. You may be left holding the bag, so to speak. So uh, verse uh, nine says, he that has a bountiful eye shall be blessed for he gives his bread to the poor. So here we go again. God himself blesses the liberal giver as everyone who ever practiced liberality already knows. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 13 restates that where this promise is, is a, an elaboration for very Christian. You know, God loves the cheerful giver. He who gives shall receive more than he gave. Um, so make a practice that way. We, we are encouraged here to make that a practice. Verse 10 says, cast out the cast out the scoffer and contention will go out. Yes, strife and um, ignominy will cease. Disagreement and bad blood sometimes arises not from the facts of a situation, but from a person with a wrong attitude and that person can make mischief. So all this proverb is saying is that 
what a, an institution sometimes needs is not reforms, but the expulsion of people. Now, the Lord has also made a provision for that within the church. If you cannot reprove a man, if you cannot call a man out on his wrongdoing, uh, the Bible says, um, <laughs> um, uh, you know, let them go for for a season so that they are, their uh, hardships, whatever they fall into, will break them and break their, you know, break that wickedness. And then uh, they may come back and serve the Lord well. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 11. He that loveth pure pureness of heart for the grace of his lips, the king will be his friend. He that loves pureness of heart for the grace of his lips, his lips, the king will be his friend. Uh, okay, so I'm going to read this one. Let's see. The translators are in disagreement over what uh, this says. Mm, I don't know if we ought to be in disagreement. He that loveth pureness of heart. I don't get that. Hold on. I'm going to go back to a different Bible. He that loveth pureness of heart. For the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Well, I don't, I don't see any disagreement there. I think that when you have a pure heart, right, um, then what you speak is going to be also pure. And who, king or otherwise, would not really appreciate and love that. Um, so if you, the, the, I, well, I, let me put it this way. If the king knows you, you know what I mean? I don't know that the king knows everyone who has a pure heart and how many people do have a pure heart. And wonder if in this instance, we're also speaking of God rather than an earthly king. The pureness of heart, because the Lord tells us, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So probably that's more in line with God's intention for this. I don't know what Solomon would have said about it because we don't know Solomon. He has included it here. And as Minister Amy brought out the other morning, in some cases when he's talking about a king, he's probably talking out of personal experience. And because he was a wise and good king, he wasn't he was a man of perfection, but he his you know there's no record of how he mistreated uh, the people of Israel. Now, that means that Sometimes we walk into the absolute heart of God concerning a matter because we seek to serve him. So, and also we hear his word spoken in our spirits and we understand. So a pure heart produces the grace of lips. And therefore, who would not say that the king would be your friend? Jesus Christ tells us, by the way, when we come to him, that he calls us friends. Uh, Light Touch says, I think it's a prophetic statement here. Only God knows the heart. Absolutely. So there we have it. <clears throat> Verse 13. The sluggard says, there is a lion in the way. I shall be slain in the streets. See, I think this has to do simply with excuses. 
when a sluggard, if you truly are a sluggard at heart, you know, you need to recognize it. Because, like, I think that within me sometimes I tell my husband, I think I have gotten lazy or I feel lazy, like I just don't want to do anything. And so when you're in a state like that, you can find any excuse not to do anything. But a prudent person, a, a person will say to themselves, I feel lazy. And they will step over that barrier to getting things done. We must do it. And once you step over it, you know, it, it, it's a hard flesh thing, right? But it's really not so hard spiritually. You just get up and go. And I know when people say just, 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 you go, okay, but you don't understand. And of course, I do not understand what you are going through. I can't tell you what you're feeling, but I can say that there is a um, tenacity of spirit that can cause you to overcome if you will just get up and get moving, right? Get up and get moving. It isn't easy. It doesn't feel just good. But if you get up and get moving, then you will actually push that thing out of the way. And I think that comes in line with the scripture that says he who has small faith, you know, can move a mountain. Try it sometimes, really and truly. Um, here we are, verse 14, the mouth of a strange woman. Am I at verse 14? Yes, uh, verse 14. The mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. He that is abhorred of Jehovah shall fall therein. Woo, the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. Mm. In the first seven chapters of Proverbs, this this strange woman, this whorish woman, this, you know, uh, bad woman has been really, really, really talked about. So this is a repeat, and we only have to go back and read those chapters to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Really and truly, he is saying that when you go into a house that you, by the allurements of these strange women, uh, by the allurements of these women who are prostitutes or women who are, you know, some we don't call all women prostitutes, but some are so promiscuous in their way that they have with them death. And some of them are so hurt in their own lives, have been hurt by men that they set out to hurt again. When I was working in HIV, there were women who said that they would give the disease to others because somebody had given it to them, you know, and, and men too. So when you're, you're playing in, in a perverse games, you know, you are ending up um, being perverse of mind and heart. And so the strange woman is a deep pit. You don't want to go there if you can help yourself. Now, the other part of it is we live in the age of grace and the Lord our God took that prostitute when they came in through the, you know, all the townspeople, whoever they were, threw her at his feet and said, she, you know, what you going to do about it? And the Lord asked who, who, who there was not guilty of sin, you know, and they had to walk away with their heads down. So we're not condemning what is yet, uh, God yet has yet a timetable for redemption. Uh, in other words, the if she's not dead, tell her about Jesus. If a, a loose woman is, is not dead, tell her about redemption. Tell her about the cleanliness and the purity of serving the Lord. 
All righty. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Now, this whole idea of rod um, <clears throat> is very, very distasteful to the present culture, right? So <laughs> we've totally rejected the idea of corporal punishment for disobedient and unruly children. And it needs to be evaluated in the light of a report from the front page of a a posting in in uh, the Houston Post, and um, uh, <laughs> uh, the the headline, according to this guy, says United States is losing a generation of children. And then the quote is about one fourth to all ten to seventeen year olds are at risk of failing to lead productive adult lives. Why? High risk behavior: drugs, sex, liquor, etc. In a word, no discipline either at home or at school. Perhaps our smart educators should take another look at their policies. Well, let me tell you, you know, having been a teacher at school, this is what I like to say to parents. You ought to just put your clothes on and go over there and teach teach one day. You come home with a new attitude about raising your children. I know I did. And I was always trying to be a disciplinarian. But child, when I walked in there and 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 I was up against some of these, who I mean, little little unruly children. There was a young little girl I was teaching. Um, I think they probably were five year olds because they were not in first grade yet. So I think yeah, kindergarten five. And I had this one little class. I used to tremble. Five year olds, five year olds, coming to class. But one little girl in that class was beyond all others. This little girl, poor baby, I wanted to hold her and cry with her. She was so, so angry and so in a rage and a fit. And I taught in a a trailer classroom that was sitting away from the building. So the, the, the trailer was in the middle of the yard, but on on two sides of this trailer, were streets, you know, where cars passed. And there was a community college sitting up the street from us. So it was not real, real busy, but pretty busy. So I could not allow any of these children to ever be out of my sight because children are children, you know, and if they played out in that yard, you needed folks watching them so that they wouldn't go to the street. Well, this little girl comes in class. She was in a rage. I couldn't get her to do anything she ran out of that trailer. I've got a trailer full of children. About you know, my class is not that big, but I probably had about uh, fifteen kiddos in there. And she ran out, and I didn't know what to do. So I, you have an emergency uh, buzzer, you know, uh, and I rang and I rang and I rang. Meanwhile, I'm at the door, looking at for the children in the trailer, looking at the children, the little girl who ran out. I didn't know where this child had gone. Oh, I didn't know. I just began to, to to just panic and pray. And I'm saying, God, please. I, you know, I thought she might have tried to run home, but she didn't. She actually ran into and back to the principal's office. But when the principal tried to talk with her, oh, my goodness. Woo, the little girl went to that principal's desk and just, just ransacked and raked everything off and put it on the floor. Right. The principal was a picture of beauty and purity and understanding. 
And she sat there and let that little baby do just what she had to do. And when it was all done, she let her sit down for a few minutes because the little, little girl got, she, she raged herself into fatigue. She sat down. I watched this happen because um, my class, I had to bring the class into the building after they found a little girl. And uh, she wanted the little girl to apologize to me. So she calls me to the office and this is what I watched happening, right? Oh, the, after the child was so fatigued and so tired, the principal said, are you, are you rested now? Are you better now? And she was you know, kind of pouting and crying a little bit, and, but she shook her head. And, and the principal said, okay, now pick up all my <laughs> books and materials and papers and please put them back on my desk, which the little girl did with absolutely no um, rage. She just did it. And then the principal talked with her. But can you imagine what is going on in a child like that? What will go? What is going on in a child like that? Oh, my goodness. Children need love, attention, and boundaries. May the Lord help us in our newfound, you know, freedom and ways of making everything equal. It's not everything is not equal. Everything is not equal. We must raise our children to be respectful of elders in particular, but of anyone who has a, a position of helping them. And we do live when children are being, you know, taken. So you can't just make the child uh, subservient to all grown people. It is not that way. But we better pray and help our children understand because um, their lack of restraint causes them to hurt themselves. Please, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, teach us to not spare the rod in the way that you mean. You never meant for any child to be abused by any parent. And some of these rods of punishment were gross. Um, African-Americans were beat as slaves and had to beat each other. So we have inherited a post-traumatic slave syndrome, which is post-traumatic stress. I thank God for the woman who did the research and brought us to understand that. And in inheriting that, we need more counsel from God. We need that counsel. But on the other hand, those people who've never, ever been restrained, they need counsel too, because the sins of children, all colors and all nations, are such that our kids are being lost. So it's the U.S. losing a, a generation as well as other nations. Verse 16 says, He that oppresses the poor to increase his gain, and he that gives to the rich shall come only to want. All the way through the Proverbs, we have heard this. You know, you cannot afford to oppress the poor in order to get wealthy. And we live in a time and era when everybody is after money. They do not care who they misuse and abuse. And when drug addicts, drug pushers, what do you call them? People who distribute drugs go to jail. Uh, they go under the disdain of judges, right? And people, you're out there pushing that death. But my girlfriend became a drug addict after being uh, 
rehabilitated from drugs for seven years on the prescription of a doctor, but he didn't go to jail. He pushed a drug, but he did not go to jail. And he knew her background. He had tended her. And so he knew. And he prescribed for her a street drug that was known at that time to be a street drug. And he gave it to her. What was his, What tell me what was his motive? What was he doing? He gave it to her. And she was once again taken into that horrible condition of addiction. Yeah, some of our laws are totally unjust. And there is a lot of oppressing, oppressing the poor to increase our, the gain of, of individuals. Hmm. And he that gives to the rich shall come only to poor. And people prefer the rich, you know, over the poor. Um, and so, we, oh my goodness, I could tell you stories about church, you know, and um, giving giving a deference to the well-to-do. <laughs> What's that all about? Whether they are uh, well-suited for teaching or being in spiritual leadership or not, but because they come in a fur coat and they drive a Mercedes and they live on the right side of town, they get to sit down front and be called out upon to do many things. I have seen it with my own eyes. Verse 17 says, Incline thine ear and hear the words of the wise and apply thy heart unto my knowledge, for it is a pleasant thing if you will keep them with you. If they are established together upon your lips that you may trust in Jehovah, I have made them known to you this day, even to you. There is a break here, and from this Proverbs, or from this Proverbs twenty two seventeen through the end of Proverbs twenty four, we have the words of the wise men. Some call these the thirty words, consisting of two verses each, but other words of wise men are added after the thirty. So these three verses state the purpose of the wise men's words, namely that your trust may be in Jehovah. And in this particular section of Proverbs is not now attributed to King Solomon. So here we go. And it starts, as he says, it starts uh, Proverbs twenty-two seventeen through the end of Proverbs 24. So remember I told you that Solomon not only put in his own wisdom, but he amassed wisdom from other wise people that he knew. And they were not necessarily uh, Israelis or Jews, right? But nonetheless, he has put them here. And for whatever reason, they become a part of this great book of wisdom. So let's read on. Have not I written unto you the excellent things of counsels and knowledge to make you know the certainty of the words of truth? that you may carry back words of truth to them that sent thee. So um, this concludes the introduction to the words of the wisdom. The first of the 30 words begins in Proverbs 22, 22. Uh, so here we go. Um, hold on a second. I just want to make sure I'm not overstepping my boundary. Uh, and I think I did. I think that I do. No, I didn't. Okay, so here we go. Oh, boy, it'd be better for me just to stay in one Bible than to go into two. <laughs> so 
um, in verse 22, we're in chapter 22, and we're in verse 18. Uh, bow down thine, am I, okay, verse 17, I'm going to start. Bow down thine ear, and hear the words of the wise, and apply thine heart unto my knowledge, for it is a pleasant thing if thou keep them within thee. They shall with all be fitted in thy lips, that they that you may trust in the Lord. I have made known to you this day, even to to you. Uh, have I not written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge? I'm reading it again, that I might make thee to know the certainty of the words of truth, that you might answer the words of truth to them that send unto you. So now um, remember, many people that come to Solomon, right, for wisdom. And um, he's referencing here the fact that other people may come to his own son for wisdom. And he says, he's, I've written to you these ex this excellent counsel, and I've done it so that you may give excellent counsel to those who come to seek it. Right. So now, again, this is a word to the son of Solomon and the wisdom of God to all of us. So I think here... God is restating, I've written to you excellent things. Keep it. Make sure that you keep it. And then in the presence of others, you will be, um, you will give good counsel. You will also be wise and share good counsel. And here we go. Make no friends with an angry man and with a furious man. You shall not go. That just makes good sense, doesn't it? Make no friendships with some, because when you do this, you, you are um, you are in association with someone that you can't kind of, you don't know where they're coming from all the time. They will have outbursts and they will be uh, in brawlings. And at we are, we are just to be slow to anger. You're not to run along with that. Anger breeds anger and impatience breeds impatience and association <clears throat> with such a man is dangerous. Listen, even in our daily friendships, if you're around someone who's complaining too much, at least me, let me talk about me. <clears throat> if I sit with people who are like complaining, complaining, they start talking and talking, <laughs> I find myself doing it. I have to back me up. I'm thinking, where did that come from? I don't even feel like that. Right. And there it is. So you don't want to make such a choice. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, and, and let's see. Rob not the poor. Yeah, that was twenty-one. Rob not the poor because he is poor. Neither oppress the afflicted in the gate. This is more of the same. For the Lord will plead their cause and spoil the soul of those that spoiled them. A repeat. Make sure that you are not misusing poor people. You're not taking from them. And again, we just read a proverb to that effect. Make no friendship with an angry man. We just did that. <clears throat> Lest you learn his ways and get a snare to your own soul. 26 says, do not be one of them that strike hands or of them that are sureties for debts. We ran into this before as well. <clears throat> uh, the striking of the hands uh, that what was that? I I looked that up. So, um, yeah, no, I didn't. It's removing the boundary that I looked up. But striking, oh, striking of hands. So I think that's that's uh, shaking hands on a deal, right? That has you bound 
to a uh, sort of a stand-in for someone else. Don't do that because you could be left holding the bag, as we already said. Remove not the ancient landmark, which thy fathers have set. This is the one. That ancient landmark was a land boundary, was a boundary for someone's land. And people would you move it uh, to their advantage. And because they moved it, it was not something you could take to court because it was hard to prove. You didn't see them move it. You didn't know where it was in the first place. But they moved it. And it was a crime to do it. But again, it was it was hard to like, you know, prove that someone had done it. But the Lord says, see, this one goes back to uh, a just measure, I believe. You are really um, toying with something that is not yours. It's, it's really stealing. You literally are taking from someone else and using it as if it were yours and getting away with it. And God is not pleased with that. In fact, one of the laws of Israel was thou shalt not steal. See uh, thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand <clears throat> before mean men. Now, diligence. I love the way that I, I looked at this one. And it is not just, you know, um, getting things done. It actually is allowing the Lord to hone your gifts and create in you a smartness about everything. You are skilled beyond skill. One of the things that <clears throat> that I, excuse me, love to do in life, I love crafts, right? I, well, I don't like all crafts. I'm not good at all crafts, but I love, I loved knitting when I was a child. I learned to knit very early and um, I would go to knit shops where I bought my, you know, the best of yarns. I didn't buy yarns from craft shops ever because in the knit shop, I could sit with these, oh, expert knitters, and I could learn from them. That's what they did. You buy your yarn, <clears throat> you choose a pattern in their store, and they're there at your disposal. And let me tell you, I when I was younger, I knit some fabulous pieces. I, I know right now there's a sweater floating out there somewhere that I made for my, my little one with a zipper in the front. Gorgeous pink, you know, and it was made out of this fabulous yarn. And I learned that in a knit shop in uh, the city of Philadelphia. And I loved going in there. Those women could pour out some excellent work, right? And I've always had a desire to be excellent. So when I was knitting young, I was knitting well because I was steady at it. And I would let them uh, teach me. And I would practice and I would work it, right? I've done some serious knitting in my head. It's hard to believe I did it now because I put the knitting down. And when I went back to it, oh my goodness, Lord, I was knitting backwards for a minute there. <laughs> it wasn't backwards, it was actually a stitch, but I thought I was doing a thing right and I was doing it wrong. And so I've had to relearn, right? And I hate to um, have an error in my work. When I have errors in the work, I pull the whole thing out. So people ask you to to knit me a sweater, right? They 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 can never pay you. They they don't want to pay you for anything that you're doing, but you have the skill. You know, if you've if you've allowed yourself to learn it, and if you've crafted well, 
that crafting the very the very skill there brings you into um you know people people see you and they know you and this says that you will stand before kings absolutely and in the day in which these proverbs were written there were men of great skill in the book of exodus we know that god gave bezalel the uh skill to craft the parts the the cunning works of the temple and i'm saying he mentions their embroidery and uh, who knows what bezalel was able to do and he trained others to do it and the beauty of the work of of the uh, temple it, you know, it's, it's spoken of throughout uh, the Old Testament and, the, and, and even in the New. So that is it for this chapter. And I hope that I have not labored in, in sharing with you this morning. I listen to it. Sometimes overstudy is probably not a real good thing, but um, that's that's where we went and that's what it is. So now I'm going to go back and read your comments because let's see. Doing well, thanks. Oh, that's a good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Akusa Flexi. I love these names. I do. These uh, everyone is saluting everyone. Let's see. I think it's a prophetic statement here. Only God knows the heart. Absolutely. We we're reading early. Yes, get up tenacity of spirit. Indeed. You know, and I pray that that our young people will get some of it. Well, some of the young people will do not. And everybody's not lazy, but there are a group of us that, and like I said, I can be prone to it, and I have to push myself. So I understand that. Women of ill repute, so says Sister Rings. To put it nicely, yeah. that's a part of the problem. A little spanking won't hurt. Spanking with love and instructions can do a mountain of good. Um, only have to look back at the older generation. We can learn a lot from our past. Yeah, absolutely agrees. Uh, light touch. We can, you know, and we and we can learn some things that that to avoid in in chastising our children. I think that the there was an extremity in uh, education to chastise from children in schools. You know, uh, folks, I I was spanked for something I never did when I was in first grade, um, <clears throat> but you know, and it hurt in my hand. And I really was not a, a noisome child, but this woman, for whatever reason, wanted to me. I don't know what happened there. Anyway, uh, so we can learn a few things as well as um, we can learn what to avoid as well as what we are doing wrong today because our children are, some of them, off the charts un unruly. And, and then you send them to school and get mad because they're not learning anything. But I'm saying who can teach them if we can't get them to respect us enough to sit and, you know, be involved. Of course, you know, school can be very, very boring as well. So I think as much as we need to check what children are doing, we need to check what teachers are doing and make sure that a teacher is really there and they have um, more. This is what it is. I'm sorry. Let me put it this way. There are some teachers who are very good at the process of education. And then there are other teachers who are very good at a at dealing with children who are different kinds of learners. Every child wasn't made by God to go sit in a lecture hall in the, in the early ages. Some children like to explore to learn. Some children are better at um, learning through 
uh, direct contact with the content. You know, there's just many ways. And I was blessed to teach in a school like that. So I know that it works. And may God be praised for uh, us who will take the education of our children at heart. And when they're not doing well at school, don't assume always that it's because they are unruly. But assume maybe first look at what is happening in the classroom with regards to how they are learning and how compatible that is with the way your child is naturally bent towards learning. See, parenting is a full-time job. And we, we're we now sending parents out into the workforce and expecting that we're going to get the same caliber of child that we got when parents' moms were home. You're, you're not going to do it. it. It can't happen. So all this work, work, workaholic, and some parents have to work. I do understand that. But if you do have to work, you need to put in special time with your children. And those parents who, who want to get ready, my children will tell you right now, if I drove them to school, I worked, you know, and I would drive them to their uh, to the school in the morning on my way to work. And if they cried to go into that building, I took them right to work with me almost every time. I'm telling you the truth. I couldn't stand to see my child. I'm putting my children out of a car to go crying somewhere. <laughs> I just couldn't take that, you know. <laughs> so right or wrong, that's what I did. Okay, so Tony says, drugs, money, fame, and luxury, things have diverted many people from their right paths, which God gave them. The devil is so wise to show us flashy things every day of our lives, to change our focus from God. Remember what he did to Eve and saw our Jesus, and to our, to even the Savior Jesus Christ took him somewhere to show him. That's right, all the wealth of the world. He's in that same business in this time of ours. We must wear the full armor of God at all times to defeat him. Tony, 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 once again, a whole sermon in a second. I love it. You are absolutely right. And if he thought he could sway Jesus Christ, look, I'm telling you, what does he think about you and me? You know, the lot of us in this world, I think we're easy targets until we come to know Christ Jesus and do put on the full armor of God and have heard his wisdom and have learned to discern and understand the ways of the enemy as opposed to the ways of God. Oh my goodness, you are right. And our children, when we don't raise our children to understand and know the Lord and to have these attributes and see you're shaping not just behavior, you're actually shaping the mind and the heart. When you are telling children, you know, uh, to be kind to the poor, when you're telling them and then understand, let them understand what kind is. Kind isn't go off with them and do what they say. That's not kind. That is to show respect and to not uh, talk back or, you know, like some children will actually mock and poke at older people. When we're doing that, you're shaping the mind and the heart of the child. And that's the only way we're going to see um, our kids come into the character of Jesus Christ and be willing to accept and walk with God. And it has to start from the day there, even when, when you first are pregnant, you know, it starts from the beginning and you raise them up in it. And that is 
train up a child in the way that he should go. Because honest goodness, if you wait until they're 10, 11 years old, you just uh, you just almost have lost it. There, there's no battle to be won at that late date. God is a miracle worker and he can win it. So if you've got 10, 11, 12, you've got 40-year-olds, start there really and truly. But it is easier going when they are young. And Reem says that was an awesome and thorough definition of diligence. Absolutely. Victorious entered and victorious. I'm so glad you're here. We are at the end of our morning session. Um, God is good. We have read through the book of Proverbs, chapter 22. Um, and, you know, just verse by verse this morning, trying to give explanation and so we wouldn't be here all day. Nonetheless, the Proverbs are so good. And even if you do it that way, <laughs> it can still be a lengthy a timing because we are a lengthy talk. We do want to um, take heed to all that the Lord is telling us in these Proverbs. And isn't it funny? Well, it's interesting that this chapter ends with seest thou a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean, M-E-A-N, mean men, right? Now, I like this because once again, I can see the king of kings as the one we shall stand before. Remember, he gave us the talents. And the parable of a talent says, um, Blessed are you who, you know, you've done well, you've been diligent with your talents and you've earned and I will make you ruler over many. But to the one, the man he gave the one and he went back and buried it because he knew, that, you know, that you're a man who uh, reaps where you didn't sow and all that craziness, you know, and he's talking there. And the Lord said, cast him out, cast him out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You have been, you and me, we have been given, we have been given a gift, the gifts of whatever it is that you're good at in life, right? And if you do not develop them, if you do not use them for the glory of God, if you don't allow the Lord to sharpen you in every way, right? Whatever the gift is. Some people are real gifted at um, teaching, some are gifted in mathematics. Some are gifted in uh, expressions. Uh, some are gifted in the, the uh, construction skills. You know, carpenters are phenomenal people to me. And what you want to do is just get as good as you can get. Get good, right? And do the thing. Do it, right? And do it to the glory of the Lord. And always respect that God has given it to you and never boast. But be of good use in the kingdom of God and therefore in the world. Mentoring is just you doing what should be done. Because many people are watching you anyway. And they will follow in your good footsteps. You know, people admire people. That's why, Tony, the artists are so attractive, because they do what they do very well. I was listening to Whitney Houston. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, people have studied what Whitney could do with that voice. 
in her popular music, the voice is as sharply honed and well-crafted as any opera singer that took years and years and years of training. Whitney took years and years of training in the school of her church. <laughs> she was allowed to sing and God gifted her amazingly. And sometimes she gave glory, well, she always gave you, you know recognition to the Lord, but she sang not to the glory of God, but to the glory of the world. But she was before, well, royalty, because she was that good. Yes, get good, exactly. Where determination exists, failure can never dismantle the flag of success. Oh, Tony, is something else out here. If you get and go for what you were destined for, that's the bottom line. And hi, Fluffy, we're glad you joined us this morning. Listen, that's right. And for the glory of God, he will provide an open door so that you are always giving. I praise and thank him this morning that you've joined for the reading of chapter 22. And just when we think it's getting maybe a little repetitive and, you know, going in a direction that we already know, okay, we jump ship and there it is, a brand new approach, a brand new kind of extended um, uh, wisdom on some old points that we've already gone through. The Lord is good and his word is for us to grow by, to prosper in, to benefit from, to have the abundant life. He's good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All of you, your comments are wonderful. And we've had a good, good uh, gathering. Oh, I should have um, loved to, to be up at six. I was up at four <laughs> to walk with a good friend. Um, um, I was up at four and then again at seven. And the thing is, when I wake up at four o'clock, I'm really awake. I don't often go back to sleep. And so if I fall asleep, I'm then going to sleep until about eight. But God is amazing. Thank you all for being here. And we start at 9 a.m. Monday through uh, Saturday. We are here Sundays at two o'clock. Uh, well, two o'clock p.m. in you know, our time here. I don't know where you are, so I don't know what time it would be for you. For Tony, I guess it's six o'clock. And if you're where Tony is, you know, if you're coming in, um, and if you're where we are, Eastern Standard Time is our time here. Um, then, you know, trying to, to move this around so that we can reach people in many different time zones. Uh, we in America, all, all we have, I, I think we have three different time zones as well. So it's a good thing to do so. God is amazing, and I hope you have an amazing day. Join us again, and um, hopefully, you know, we will. Oh, tomorrow, I'm an, uh, this evening, a young man is going to read for us this evening at 8.30. A young man, too. He's, uh, I think he's 18. I'm excited about that, and I want you to know that <clears throat> I really, really do want the youth uh, or younger people or people who don't know the Bible at all to hear the reading of the Proverbs, I think they might be surprised at what what a good thing God has done in leaving us his word. Go, if you haven't had breakfast, have a wonderful breakfast. If you haven't had lunch, go enjoy your lunch. And if you're just going into dinner, 
in joy. And may the Lord God bless you and plant in you the word of wisdom that you may not only hear it, but heed it and grow thereby. We bless the Lord for it. I thank you, Jesus, that you will make us the planting of the Lord, that we may be, what is it? Trees of righteousness. Hallelujah. The fruit thereof, good and solid fruit, that the Lord will never have to curse us so that we wither like the fig tree that had no fruit on it when Jesus was hungry. Take care, my darlings. I love you. It's my good pleasure to be with you always. <laughs> you are our youth president of our time. <laughs> I could be. That might be. But you are the one, Tony. You are definitely the one. And I'm asking the Lord to make all things real for us that are from the kingdom of God, that we may prosper in our way and give glory and honor to the Lord that we love so much. Have a great one. See you now.